0: And boys and girls dying time is here that's right we're talking about a nightmare on elm street again on kill by kill well greetings and salutations internet your old pal patrick hamilton coming to you once again from 1428 elm street this is the kill by kill podcast where we are dedicated to to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. Now we're going to unpack all the gorious details of the first half an hour or so of the original Nightmare on Elm Street in the hopes that a young student's untimely dream-born end is just the beginning of the jokes we might make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person to trust uh, to make sure that I have a hall pass The one, the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? Uh,
1: I've gone through my my Men in Black memory wipe. Uh, I am am ready to at least pretend I have never seen or talked about this movie before.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's very weird to come back to the absolute beginning of a franchise that we completed uh, four years ago. But, you know, it turns out this particular episode was infested with a sex pest and we don't tolerate that shit around here. Uh So we yeeted that episode and we brought in a real guest. That's right, Gina. I don't want to scare you, but we are not alone. That's right. We have a very special guest. You may know her best, of course, from her crooked media podcast, Ruined with Allison and Hallie, the one, the only Hallie Kiefer. How are you doing today, Hallie?
2: I'm, I'm doing so well. I'm so sorry with the sex pass situation. I'm glad to step in um, for an iconic film, and I really appreciate you having me here.
0: I'm thrilled to have you here because, you know, so often uh, in the um, horror uh, space, uh, we uh, don't necessarily... To cross over with other horror shows, I have I sometimes we, we get journalists, we get people involved in the movies, but for whatever reason, uh horror podcasters are islands unto themselves. <laughs> you could uh, say complete weirdos, and yeah, yeah, you can be well,
2: honest here. We've all got problems, it's totally yeah,
0: fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was raised Mormon, it was a weird sitch. I, That's I didn't so
2: interesting. I I feel like I've met so many um ex-Mormon horror fans. I mean, I'm I'm a recovering Catholic, I think there's probably a lot of crossover as to why um, sure, we're, yeah. we're drawn to the genre. But that's so interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, your church has has, has a real sex pest problem of its own, oh, whereas Lord. mine has collected billions of dollars to become a shadow corporation. Oh, so, honey,
2: if you think there aren't sex pests in the Mormon church, I got bad news about every religion. <laughs> so, by the way, if you're listening, what? sorry, it's your religion too. I mean, Catholics did it their own uh, way. Uh,
0: Gina, you're going to have to take over because I'm going to have to take a <laughs> knee here. Uh, as I now being given information that has begun to rock my world. I am um, so
2: sorry to tell you this. I, um, yeah, yeah, bound to just, happen
0: three decades after leaving the church.
2: Yes, um, but I—I I, I get glad we all got out, is what I'm thinking. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Hanley, um, what was your first introduction to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise?
2: You know, I feel like I, I didn't see this as a child. I saw as an adult, but it it pervaded so much of 90s culture mm-hmm. that, f- like, Freddie was such a character that even if you didn't know the specifics of the movie, he was constantly... I feel like he was, like, he would stop by Letterman. Like, yeah. there'd be Simpsons jokes. Like, he was, like, the claw, the sweater, the hat. I mean, it was the Robert England's like... Um, the camp element it was so um a part of a part of pulp, uh, pop culture that even though i didn't see it until adulthood it felt like well i'm familiar with this and then seeing it i watched the first um act again just to refresh myself what a phenomenal film i yeah. fucking love it yeah. a classic yeah. for a reason i mean just truly great so i think it was like Probably as a kid be like, I don't know that guy, but I don't want to hang out with him. And then eventually seeing it be like, ah, this I can contextualize all the jokes I've heard, like all the sort of like the funny references and different, um, different places. So that's always kind of funny now to understand it in a different way.
0: It is so odd that at one point, Freddie was a VJ on MTV. Of course. He had his own 900, uh, 1-900 call line.
2: Talking doll.
0: (laughs) Talking doll.
2: I feel like we, I mean, I keep, I think they keep trying to do that. Like I mentioned with Megan, like we, we, but we it's so hard to achieve that level of pop culture saturation in a, in a lasting way. Cause I feel like Freddie was around, well, I guess the franchise was extended, but like, I, I feel like I want another Freddy Krueger. Like I would love to have a a a, a, a villain of that level again.
0: Yeah. I mean, he is a very rare beast in terms mm-hmm. of the, grand horror franchise it's almost like there's one side where you have michael and jason these towering homunculi who mm-hmm. never speak and so therefore they're a blank canvas that we can project anything mm-hmm. we want on them like michael is very hungry for dog and that <laughs> jason should never wear a jacket and is really a fish toilet at a certain point <laughs> in the franchise and maybe always dead mm-hmm it's, it's a lot of stuff. Whereas Freddie is happy to tell you exactly who he is. And certainly Chucky is in the <laughs> same camp. I, I, they're, they're almost playing doubles tennis on either side. And so really what we came to the conclusion of, which is weird to put it in volume one of what was season two for us, but still it should be noted. What we came down to of what really motivates Freddie, is he wants to help everyone. To death oh okay oh he we you know when you have something you want to get past he's like i'm going to enter your dreams and i'm going to make it happen and what doesn't kill you makes you stronger oops i killed you well i guess that's
2: true the end of any sort of dilemma you have it would it would end with your demise so yes. it, it is kind of the perfect solution to any problem <laughs> I wouldn't have put it that way but that makes sense
0: He's just like a self-help book writ large with razor-sharp claws is what it comes down to. What
2: he is so compelling about him, like you said, is that he's having the time of his life.
0: Yes. He has
2: a smile on his face. He is having a blast. And then that contrast with the teenagers who are screaming for their lives does take it to another level.
0: It does. And, you know, he goes from, I think this is very, very scary. I still find two very, very scary. And then- it, the scares become it, it, they they lessen slightly as the scope of it is writ large, and you know.
1: Well, he gets he he gets more wisecracky too. Yes. which kind, which oh, kind yeah. of which kind of it, it's always it's always amazing to me every time I I rewatch Nightmare on Elm Street that he actually does not have a lot of dialogue in it, no. and you know, whereas you know, in in the later movies he has most of the dialogue.
0: Right, he's the star of the show. Uh, Whereas here he's a a, he's a guest star who like, you know, comes Mm -hmm. into the the Dick Van Dyke show and happens to trip over the couch himself. And Dick's like, that's my job. It's he's he's just got that splashy moment or two.
2: Yeah, I was going to say he I don't know if it's his first line, but he one of his first lines is iconic. And I feel like this movie, uh, I'm sure we'll get into it. I don't want to jump ahead or anything. But the utility of this movie, I think really demonstrates, and I really stand by this on our podcast, which is no horror movie needs to be longer than 90 minutes. Mm. And part of that is we don't need to have, a, we don't always have to have a big old conversation.
1: You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You don't need, need ex- don't, you don't need to expl- explain everything. Would yeah. you see
2: Freddy with his arms, crazy long arms? You don't need to explain anything to me. If I see that, yeah, I'm going to say, uh, as Tina says in the movie, Oh, shit. That's all yeah. you need to know. That's all you need to know about him.
0: Right. If he slices his his head open and a, a couple of fingers and green goo comes out, I don't like, well, hey, hold on. You're held together with green glue. What's you your
2: backstory? Like, Where were you from, fella? Like, no, are you I'm made
0: of Nickelodeon no. Gak and you just walk around? <laughs> like, how does that work?
2: And that is like, and I, I don't want to leap ahead of, you know, I'm not... not to jump that format, but I will say, I, I, I for some reason had forgotten the goo. I, yeah. I don't, I don't associate this movie with being a gooey movie, but when you do see him cut open his own torso laughing and it's filled with green goo, again, this movie has everything.
0: <laughs> well, I think it's one of those things where, um, because so many of, uh, Craven's movies were cut down by the MPAA. I think he figured if I I'm gonna have some very bloody moments in this, mm. I'm gonna have two very gory deaths. And to balance that, if I still want to freak the audience out, I've gotta pick some other things that are not blood related, yes, but can stand in for it. And that's where you get the the gack out of his fingers and across his chest and uh a, you know, a body bag full of eels. <laughs> Something oh, we, absolutely. we will see. <laughs> Um, so let's get in let's let's just uh, let's get into the warm bath that is uh, 1984's uh, a nightmare on Elm Street, of course, it starts um, with that original seizure inducing new line cinema logo <laughs> uh, that I, I wish they would bring back. If you're doing a movie that's set in the 80s, don't give me that weird, you know, film spoke uh, logo. Give me that. Give me the one that <laughs> makes me feel like I'm watching Speed Racer again. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> we get, we get a, uh, you know, Freddy's workshop. Mm, you yeah. Know, th- this old, this old knife claw. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like that is a perfect way to
2: introduce anything is mm-hmm. that it's again, like nothing is, I feel like so many uh, more recent horror movies, like we do a lot of v- verbal explaining. Mm-hmm we know, we hear the wet sound of him walking. We see the blade, we see him looking for his rusty razor blade on his tabletop full of tools. Yeah. We know so much so quickly because it is a visual medium and every visually like, well, that's not good. That's not
1: good at all. Yeah, no, no that that, that he is heavy breathing on that soundtrack. Oh, yeah. He, he is oh, very wow. excited about the he's, he's enjoying himself. Engaging.
0: Yeah. He's, I, you know, either he's got pneumonia or a boner <laughs> or both. I'm not sure <laughs> what knows. it is, but <laughs> this <laughs> is our introduction to Frederick Bartholomew Krueger here. Mm. Um, and perhaps because he's never washing his hands by the look of it. I mean, it, like, is he greasing every boiler like a masseuse, just like rubbing it in? <laughs> well, he can, why is he not washing his hands, Gina? I, I mean you know
1: this this is your problem with Freddy Krueger. This is my he, only problem. He, he <laughs> ne- he's neglectful in, in his hand washing. Clean up your act. Exactly. He has a
0: hygiene problem, and other than that, Krueger innocent. I think we can all agree <laughs> on that. Oh my god!
1: Upstanding citizen. <laughs> um, yeah. I
0: I guess the odd part of the glove building scene for me is that like it's during these opening credits that. And he picks up part of the components in a paper bag off the ground. Like, no wonder this fucker was caught. He has terrible organizational skills.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there it does really give custodians a bad name. I would wonder what (laughs) custodians in the 90s are like, okay, it's not, it's a little more organized down here, right? You don't have to be like the boiler room, but the boiler room, as like again, the basement, the attic, Mm -hmm. like the boiler room was uh, again, like not simply a basement a basement with hot water and fire in it yes as a child especially you're like a bo- a room with something boiling is so terrifying and then to see it it's like yep that seems right this seems like where this guy would hang out
0: <laughs> i mean it's it, it's one of those things they never quite explain where that boiler room is and part 2 they drive out to this like empty industrial mm-hmm. space and are yes. like I-, I guess but what does the boiler room service and i i ask this Basically because it's constantly leaking. And I really mm-hmm. want to know what establishment is on top of this. Because it feels like it's the boiler room for the Poseidon adventure.
1: <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever he's custodying, it's he's not doing a very good job.
0: His boss is basically like, Frederick, uh, you know I love your sense of whimsy and your sweater choices. But like as your boss, I have to ask why the boiler room leaks like a sieve. Come on, man. (laughs) We're losing thousands of dollars in water consumption alone.
2: I'm starting to think that maybe Freddie wasn't, that good of a custodian. I was trying no. to think maybe he didn't have the skills for the job. He was too distracted with the side project. This I was going to say,
1: he's all the, all those long lunches, <laughs> you know, going and, and, and kidnapping and murdering children.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, you can, I learned as a dad that I had to cut down on my personal picadillos or whatever my vice might be. And I reduced it down to podcasting and owning every obscure, stupid horror movie on Blu-ray. And that's all The space I have. That's it. Everything else has to be be a decent husband, be a good father, and then these two things to the side. And I don't think that you can be the best custodian and child murderer in the world. Mm -hmm. You got to choose one.
1: Absolutely. God doesn't give with both hands. I was going to say, you, you need some superior time management skills. And, oh. and, and and we can see his organization skills are already lacking.
0: Yes.
2: No. I mean, does he have ADHD? That is someone I, <laughs> I, that's I, seeing this. I'm like, I think I'm seeing this, maybe he's just so used to it. You want to say, hey, you know. Like maybe if you made a list at the beginning of every week, sort of start prioritizing. But of course we know what he would put on the, the top of the list, unfortunately. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, true. killing children. I uh, do you think we can convince whoever is in charge of the ADHD sort of association or society or, you know, the collective voice of that community that we can make them make Freddy Krueger, their poster <laughs> boy, the way the LGBTQIA plus community has picked up on the Babadook can could he I become like their mascot?
2: <laughs> you know, I, we think we could probably definitely email them, but they're probably just going to look at something else and so then forget to email us back. So <laughs> exactly. we could definitely try it, but you know, we'll see how it goes. would
0: it help if I told them that there's a very unique attribute to this version of Freddy that we never see again. And that only comes because this is second unit stuff they're picking up and, you know, Craven's not behind the camera for any of this. Freddy is wearing sweatpants that are gathered oh. at the cuff. This is the only time Freddie wears (laughs) sweatpants. Oh. But I often think about, like, what would America be like if we all realized that Freddie, throughout it, was wearing sweatpants. The, the, I think we'd be different as people.
1: That Freddie was embracing the athleisure lifestyle. It does
2: feel scarier to me because it's like wow you did not even fucking try this morning. Like you were so amped to get out here and start slashing. You, you're just you're basically just wearing your pajamas. You put your sweater back on. I don't like that at all.
0: I show up to your steam dream dungeon and you can't even put on outside <laughs> pants. Come on man. Have
2: some respect. I'm about to be murdered. <laughs>
0: question is the glove assembly seen an accurate representation of the actual construction of the murder weapon he used in his crimes or is it actually just a part of tina's nightmare that freddie is projecting into her sleep consciousness are, are we getting backstory or are we just getting creep factor for tina's eyes only
2: that's a great question. Um, I think it's backstory because Freddie likes to play the hits. I think he's sure. showing her, he think he's very proud of what he's done and what he's accomplished. And he's telling, he's showing it to her. And I just want to shout out that mm-hmm. act. What is the actress? Um, Amanda, uh, West. Amanda, Amanda, Amanda West. Amanda oh, West. And mm-hmm. what a phenomenal, a whole for basically a first act for your character. Again, not something that you see I uh, in, in a lot of more recent movies, but just having a great time, excellent in, in it. Um, yeah, I, I think I think he's given her a little bit of his backstory, his little prequel.
0: Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. I, I do always enjoy when I, I see this movie again, that its title credits are presented by Fridge Magnets. Uh, <laughs> do you want your toddler to learn the alphabet, maybe? Try Fridge <laughs> Magnets today. We meet Tina here, as we mentioned, played by the ever delightful Amanda Wiss. And she's fantastic here uh, and elsewhere. But she is not the most graceful of runner. I think they are Mm -hmm. trying to convey the idea that she's running fast and the world's going slow. And it mainly looks like my kid uh, when I used to teach his children's volleyball league. And instead of hitting the ball, he would just uh, Chevy Chase, Pratt fall on the ground. (laughs) It's Again, it works in dream logic. But as a movie, you're like, what's her problem? Why can't she run right? I mean, also, she's
1: probably barefoot and everything is moist.
0: Oh. So oh, yeah, I, yeah.
1: I I, can't imagine she wants to put her, her, her whole bottom of her feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. There was
0: this thing because uh, I, uh, I uh, way back when I was part of the uh, people opening up Universal Studios uh, Japan in Osaka. And one of the rituals there is before a building is officially dedicated, you're not allowed to walk on it in your actual shoes. So you would have to cover up your shoes, and if they ran out of cover-ups, you'd have to go barefoot, which was just fine. Until we were up on the rafters of Terminator 2 3D on this grating, and I swear to God, it was like torture. That Oof. It might be that she's barefoot on grating, and that fucking sucks.
2: Ugh. Yeah, no, no, thank you.
0: Wiss is uh, playing Tina here. Uh, she's long nightgowns in the sheets and short dick jokes in the streets, <laughs> and you she also is scared by a dream lamb at some point now i assume that this is is a visual allegory for being led to led like a lamb to the slaughter but also baby lambs are not scary i'm sorry
1: well i mean (laughs) you know we're just kind of walks a a baby lamb where baby lambs don't belong that 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 would be that would be that would be jarring to me yes yeah a baby lamb with a gun though
0: (laughs) that's true uh, once they learn automatic gun you know how to operate automatic weapons I we might be done for we're all looking mm-hmm. for these like the, the oceans will rise but what if lambs learn how to shoot guns
2: and I, we seem like we're days away from teaching them I, I really think <laughs> the guns are so insane why I'm sure somebody's out here trying
0: yeah and so this nightmare goes on where uh wis is is frightened at every turn by a, a Freddy we can't quite see yet. Uh, We're still keeping him hidden like the shark in Jaws. Uh, But then he uh, comes up from behind her and gives her a giant slash and she wakes up. And oh, thank God, she's back in her own bedroom. But through her front door is the first of one of our favorite character types in any of the films that we've covered, Gina. And that is... Parents of Elm Street, mm-hmm. they all suck. <laughs> oh yeah. my
1: God, they're, they're, they're terrible. She just, she looks, you know, she just, the mother just looks annoyed, exasperated yeah. that her child has woken up screaming in hysterics. And then, you know, my favorite character is the boyfriend <laughs> who about 15 seconds after Tina's mother goes to check on her, you know, basically comes up to her and says, "Go back to bed, babe. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You coming back to the sack or what? It's three a.m., asshole. His entire demeanor comes across as these little blue pills don't come for free, you know. That's the context.
2: Oh no, so the mom says the line that I was like, she's like, well, you either better cut your nails because her her nightgown is literally ripped. And yeah, we better learn to cut your you better cut your nails or stop having dreams like that. It's like, thanks for the advice, Mom. I'll be <laughs> sure to stop having dreams like that. A thing that we all
1: know is something that we could do. Yeah, yeah the, the, in- the, the parents of Elm Street are, are you know beyond the whole, you know, gaslighting their kids into making them forget about a, a traumatic experience and yet also keeping them in the same town the whole time. Oh, right. absolutely. Which, which, I don't know, uh, uh, Hallie, if you've seen um, the remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street, if you haven't. Don't I have not not, no, avoid uh, but they 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 emphasize that even more so that this is essentially gaslighting, they 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 force them to forget. But none of them are any help at all Mm -hmm. when when their 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 parents their children are obviously traumatized, it's just. Well, we'll slip them some value into their drink, or, or you know, we'll, we'll you know basically tell them, well, you need to get over this, or mm-hmm. and it's just like it, it's remarkable to me, and it's just like it's a pattern in these movies that like none of these parents are are you know, the most helpful thing they did is you know set up is set up a vigilante Bob to kill the child killer and then stay in the town where it happens.
2: Now, to be fair, though, I think about my parents if that's what they did they absolutely would completely never talk about it again like i think like this is probably this is a comment on their parental generation which i think this is probably what they would do it'd be like who would have thought that that man we murdered there'd be some sort of consequences so <laughs> we, will not, we just won't prepare our children at all we'll never bring it up and then we'll act shocked when somehow someone says hey did you do this fucked up thing that feels like a real parent thing to do maybe that's just my my take on that
0: no, I, I think it's it's definitely a theme throughout the franchise. It's one of the most pervasive themes. And so you get all sorts of different levels of a of of abusive, emotionally distant parent. And here, Tina's mom is giving you looks like she plays rhythm guitar for striper. That's what she's giving as a visual. <laughs> and then, you know, her her you know <laughs> parenting technique is like. Yeah, like stop dreaming or cut your nails. That's the binary choice between these two things and you're obviously going through. And uh, I think it's um, a a magic trick here that is lost now to the pervasiveness of how people view A Nightmare on Elm Street. Because when you first watch this and you, you didn't know anything about A Nightmare on Elm Street other than is scary, you you were you are introduced to this lead character, she's uh mm-hmm. she's chased by this monster, she's the one you're following. You would think this is Tina's story. It's a little mini psycho uh setup here where Tina's being projected as our main character, yes, and yes. these other characters as her group of friends who will die around her. And mm-hmm then Craven's like, <laughs> just you wait. And he flips it on it. And so that's great. lost now over time because Freddie and Nancy are two names that are intrinsically tied together. Mm-hmm.
2: That's a really good point. And I feel like it was so satisfying. You know, I guess sort of like the modern equivalent, you know, or not modern, but it's like, oh, you think of like Drew Barrymore and Scream. Like yeah, you, yeah. you get the opening, the uh, murder, and it is maybe a little bit longer than even now, but it's not this full first act, and it's so satisfying, because you are invested, and she, poor Tina, has to keep trying to ask everyone, like, did you guys have dreams? And of course, they all are having dreams, but her friends are also in denial about it, yes. until Nancy eventually gets on board. Um, but yeah, and I, I guess it, it also remind me of um, the movie It Follows, where mm-hmm. it does sort of, you know, set up, I, I you know, when you're a teenager, it's like, well, I really can't ask my parents for help If it's something that falls outside of what I think is, I could ask them about, you know, so it's like this isolated teen alienation that feels very real. And I'm sure for teens then felt real.
0: Yes. Um, And so uh, when they, they are driving to school, we meet yet another favorite recurring characters of the franchise and there are old friends, the Dead Children's Jump Rope Team. Hell yeah. Uh, my favorite being the small kid in the back who can barely get her arms around that <laughs> kickball. She's doing great. <laughs> um, and so Tina is driven to school by her two best friends, Nancy and Glenn. Now, Nancy is played by Jean fave and hair volume enthusiast Heather Langenkamp while Glenn is played by future wine vampire slash unjailed spouse abuser Johnny Depp. So you can tell which one I actually like and which one I don't.
1: (laughs) Who gets an introducing credit.
0: Yeah, Uh, way to go. Round of applause for that shit. It would never come out badly in the end for any of us, but what are you going to do? No. So, uh, it is revealed in this sequence that uh, Tina is like saying, I had this dream. It was really scary. Nancy starts to talk about her bad dream, but they're interrupted by Rod, who remarks that when he woke up, quote, I had a heart on with your name on it, Tina. And Tina responds with my name has four letters in it. How could there just be room on your joint for four letters? Good question. Also, this just in, Rod has a small dick.
2: <laughs> also, to hear a dick called a joint, uh, it, just, it, it just, it just, it's so, it, I don't think I've ever even heard it before. Uh, yeah,
0: no. it's
1: it kind of weird, it looks like 15 year old suburban white girl. Was calling it. <laughs> yes, amazing.
0: I mean I think part of it is that it, I I did cuz I grew up in Southern California. Oh, okay, so there you go. I'm the one and joint was something that was bandied about. So I get, I get the feeling like some of this is, is Craven who did trust his cast quite a bit mm-hmm. to infuse their flavor of how, you know, young people actually speak cuz when it gets to the point later in some of his films like My Soul to Take and Craven's in charge of coming up with dialects of how a young person talks, it sounds like. How do you do, fellow kids?
2: Yes, no, you're absolutely right.
0: Um, also, for those who don't know, uh, Rod is coded as rough trade, what with a leather jacket and all, <laughs> but reads more like Community College Danny Zuko. Um, speaking mm. of uh, of Greece. Uh, The school segments for this movie were filmed at John Marshall High School in Silver Lake, California. One of the first of many Southern California schools to stand in here uh, in Nightmare on Elm Street. And Tina reveals to her her friends that her her mom has gone on two days of business and like, can they come over? And so we are left to wonder what is Tina's mom's quote unquote business.
1: Well, I got the impression that that she was actually lying to Tina about it because I think Nancy's dad or one of the cops later says, "Oh, the mom's in Vegas with her boyfriend."
0: Oh. Uh, okay. So, so I feel okay. like that's
1: what she told Tina.
0: Cuz <clears throat> the only things I could really think of were that she's either realigning the Large Hadron Collider in Geneva or she's at a vital sleeping in your makeup conference but maybe I'm leaning towards the second and it just happens to take place in Las Vegas.
2: We um on um, our podcast we had a similar question about um Sydney's father in the Scream franchise. Oh yeah, yeah. And so I can't remember why but we decided he's a carabiner salesman. <laughs> and he was going to a carabiner salesman conference cuz we're like we it's so specifically vague that it's like what could it be that no one cares to say what it is. We'll yeah. land on a carabiner.
0: It's got to be something so terribly boring. Like he's yes. constantly haranguing locals with, you won't believe this uh, this metal composite they just came up with. Like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. You know, half your clients fall off the face of a cliff. We don't care already. <laughs> no wonder your lo- your wife was sleeping around with everybody in town. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, my apologies to all the Caribbeaner salesmen. Maybe they're satisfying their wives. I don't really <laughs> know I'm...
2: Yeah, write in and let us know.
0: <laughs> Please, write in to mm-hmm. Kill by Kill, care of, 101 box PO. And don't, it's backwards. It doesn't matter. Los Angeles, California, 92003. It'll work out just fine for you. Can we talk about what Nancy's wearing at Tina's house? because I can't figure it out.
2: Um I'll be honest, I cannot picture it. Would you describe give us a visual?
0: Sure. Um it is uh, a lot of colors being pink, uh, a baby blue, a gray with white stripes. It looks like she's wearing the kind of parachute uh, babies are put under in a onesies twosies class. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a lot of volume.
1: She's made some she makes some interesting sartorial choices in this in this <laughs> she movie. Sure does.
0: She absolutely does. I mean, it was 1984, so everything's about three sizes larger than it seems to be. She's got
1: a lot of of sweater vests.
0: Um, You know, it's one of those things, people look back at, you know, the talking heads and stop making sense and think, that's a very large suit for, you know, theatrical uh, purposes. But no, that was the size of suits at the time. Just put on an episode of Dynasty, you'll see. The
1: oversized outfits with the, you know, it has shoulders <laughs> The uh,
0: And so uh, During this conversation Between Nancy and Tina Where they're kind of comparing Their individual dreams Of Freddie, We have Glenn using a boombox For subterfuge To convince his parents That he's sleeping at his cousin's place Is the soundtrack he's playing to uh, On this boombox Like <laughs> Blood on the Highway What the hell is going on? <laughs>
2: Yeah, because it, it's like, oh, it's uh, it's we want to be there watching a movie and it was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's an action movie. But it's just like so you just have a a cassette tape of ho- different horrific car accidents. Like, I mean, I guess I'm yeah. sure somebody had that at some point. But yeah, it, it's
1: completely inexplicable. Yeah. He's saying something like like this house is near the airport or something. So he needs to have yeah. airplane noises. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you, but you, right like, next
0: to the phone you know, how much right. do you
1: need to convince your mother that you're you are you know someplace that you're not that you 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 need to have this whole elaborate you know oh he gave me a cassette tape that i can that i can fool my mother with
2: i, I think it speaks to what we we're saying about the parents is that she's like yeah whatever fine like she has like no follow like i mean she's like oh what's that but she's not gonna go over there and check sure okay someone's murdered outside by a car I'm, i i i trust you
0: yeah i feel that that Glenn's mom is somewhat like my mom at this point in time. When I said, Hey, I'm going to Ryan Harvey's house. She's like, you don't have to come back anytime soon. You're fine. Yeah. I have three other children that need to be taken care of. Uh, <laughs> get out of my house. Uh, whereas I felt I needed like some sort of like mission impossible plan to get away with it all. Um, now they hear a noise outside after they've talked about Freddie's sharp fingernails making very specific noises. Yeah. Uh, Tina's porch appears to have a collection of things including three brooms, one mop and a metronome stuck to the wall. That is certainly not the oddest production designed element in this film, but it is odd nonetheless it's it's one of the weirder accoutrement collections in it, this film it's,
1: it's just, you know think of it as an horeur to prepare you for the basement.
0: Yeah, that basement is fucking wild. I mean, we're getting way ahead of it and outside of the scope here. But Hallie, why are they nailing chairs to the wall in Nancy's basement? Like, who does this?
2: I I don't know. It, it, the The whole um, the whole setup begs a lot of questions that we just have to. It's almost like, well, that's strange. It's like, well, if you think that's strange, there's a guy in the backyard who's really going to knock your fucking socks off in about five minutes here.
0: Yeah. Uh, my favorite detail in Nancy's basement uh, is the dogs playing pool uh Zarape in the back. Um, that is... I don't like who... Who chose that? Why is it still up in the basement? Oh, there's so I have so many fucking questions. They're not going to be answered here anyways. I think we I so, think we
1: already tried to answer them about four years ago.
0: Four years ago. Check out volume three of this this season, too. So um, Rod is in the back is in the backyard. Of course he is. And he's fucking around. He tackles Glenn out of nowhere. And he's, he's made an interesting sartorial choice himself. He's wearing that uh, leather jacket, but then he also has this white buttoned-down shirt that he's wearing, completely unbuttoned, yet tucked into his jeans, That's a look like he he looks like he's dressed for like he's a romance novel model and he's been asked to attend an HR meeting. I'll tuck it in. That way I'll look professional.
1: (laughs) I I do think it's funny that, that he is, you know, when he is introduced, he's usually just kind of a horny goofball. Yeah. And then and then the last one, like, oh, well, you know, we want to make sure we want to make it seem like it might be plausible that he might murder Tina. So we'll just have him pull a knife on Glenn and Glenn, <laughs> and Glenn just like, eh, you know, Rod, I'm just going to, you know, he does, that's just what he does.
0: Yeah, he's he's a knife puller. That's that's the, that's how he shows his love. It's his love language. He
1: just, you know, angrily snaps and pulls a switchblade on you from time to time. <laughs>
0: You gotta,
1: you gotta, like,
0: like like a Stephen King bully. He is a weird Stephen King bully, Gina. Again, again, damn, you're right on the money. He is like a greaser bully out of Christine and every other uh, Stephen King novel. He just, uh, I guess they they dress him up a little bit in that button down shirt. That's the only thing that makes him semi modern here. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Johnny Depp looks like he was just hatched. Yeah, he, he he
1: looks like a little baby. Let's look, he say like he's like a gosling, like just a little <laughs> baby duck.
0: Looks like his neck doesn't quite work. Like, it can't quite hold up all of his hair. He's also addicted to those sweater vests. And as a child of the 80s, and uh, I was, uh, this is a tutorial choice I made myself. Like, you're seeing me at my most repressed uh, <laughs> in this. He also goes in mm-hmm. for like, hey, rods here. It's time for makeout fever. And <laughs> Nancy's like no. Oh
1: yeah, she is so. not having it. She's like, "Oh, I don't think so." Um
0: but it also I think you know, we get into this thing where Everyone's so like swept up with the whole idea of the final girl has to be virginal. It's like you don't know that her and, you know, Glenn haven't been having unfulfilling sex up until this point. It's just not vital to the movie to know.
2: And um, it's, it, you know, interesting to, I believe at one point Glenn says, morality sucks. It's like, oh, to inject the concept of morality into this movie where you all are going to be murdered by a supernatural um, child killer. Yeah. Very, it's like, well, at least you didn't have sex before you had to go to hell or wherever. You're, I don't know. It's, it, again, very terrifically 80s.
0: Yes. Uh, you know, I, I'm not entirely. Yeah. I don't know if it's like he's constantly been denied by Nancy. Or this one time, she's like, "Hey, asshole, we're not here for us to bone down. We're here for our friend. She just happens to be boning down." Exactly. And that is where we get into Rod and Tina's loud sex session. Like it is loud.
2: Well, I according to the uh, I watched it on Amazon. According to like the the movie trivia, they're saying. Mm-hmm. um, that Craven uh, at some point said, oh, well, you know, actually that was based on a real, I think it was like he moved to LA or he was living on, sleeping on someone's couch basically and he he literally was kept up by the couple he was staying with and so it is that perfect like teenage where it's like i guess i'm just gonna be in the other room waiting for a ride home or whatever it's just like okay have fun i'll be smoking a joint awkwardly outside you let me know when you guys are done or or like you
1: angrily tossing and turning in your bed and you know put the pillow over your head and all yeah
0: Whereas like uh, my apartment in North Hollywood um, for a long time, there was this constant tss, oh, tss, oh, coming next door and I, through the walls. I'm like, what the hell is that? And finally, like after months and months of it, I complained to the, the people in charge and they're like, oh, don't worry. We're going to take care of it. Whatever that is, it's going to stop. And the next day they knocked on the door and said, hey, guess what? It's not going to stop. And I'm like, well, why not? <laughs> and these, an, uh, unfortunately, it's an iron lung. Mm. And my first thought was, well, how am I going to convince my next door neighbors to turn that off because I need to get some sleep. Oh my
2: god! How long did you live there?
0: Uh, luckily for me, I moved to Japan, and my 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 problems were solved.
2: Also, um, what happened? What do we have that's replaced iron lungs? Cause that was a thing for a while and they, but you never hear about them. So what, what was it just like oxygen in the tank? You could sort of carry around. I think it is. Yeah. You just got the tanks now. Yeah. I guess we just like, uh, you know, made the scientific progress. Cause I feel like as a kid, those were still a thing. I remember being like, that sucks
0: really (laughs) bad. Yeah, I don't want to talk to people through a mirror all the time. That seems Ooh. like a real bummer of an afternoon. Oh, it's
2: polio, polio and botulism. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, science, for evolving us past the need for the iron lung for the most part. Listen,
0: we're only one presidential candidate actually oh, getting Jesus. into the White House. We're back in in Iron Lungville. So people, let's... I
2: mean, you, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are not vaccinating their kids from polio. I mean, like it's <laughs> just a matter of time. Oh God. The good old days. Anyway, sorry. Let's get no. back to these kids getting killed by Freddie,
0: please. Listen, let's stop with this 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 child murder by proxy <laughs> yeah. of, of conspiracy theorists. Let's get back to this make-believe child murderer pop culture icon. Thank you. Thank um, you. So I think jungle man fixed Jane is perhaps one of the grossest phrases I've ever heard in my life, but okay. Oh
2: God. Uh,
0: <laughs> But uh, it turns out that uh, Jungle Man cannot fix Jane Mm -hmm. um, because in the middle of – after they've had this very passionate sex, uh, uh, Tina falls asleep and uh, is is visited by a, a terrifying visage. And we'll get to that. But I do have one thing to ask, and it's important because in the actual proximity of where this episode landed, we've talked about all the Friday the 13th movies. And a big thing we learned in there is that one of Jason's superpowers is he knows your fuck style and uses it against you. So Damn. my question to you, Gina, is does Freddy, like Jason, know people's fuck style?
1: Um no, because he has he's never killed anybody in the middle of uh well, how could they? Because they have to be asleep. And yes. and frankly, yes, if you're yes. if you're asleep in the middle, I mean that's not that's not good sex. If you're you know, asleep so deeply you're dreaming. Um, duly noted. No, I I think that I think that he just you know politely waits until you're done and and right. to you know get fall into that like afterglow sleep.
0: And he also seems to forget what sex is the longer he's out of the game because of the time by <laughs> the time that Freddy versus Jason happens, there's that sequence where he's at Camp Crystal Lake and he's having sex with a dead body, and you're like. I don't think you know how this works. It really comes across as like a virgin saying, this is what sex is. Like, like, I like those breasts because they feel like bags of sand. That sort of deal.
2: <laughs> uh, we just did. I just uh, talked about the, the movie Society on uh, mm. this uh, podcast, Bad, Bad with Money, which is coming out. And uh, there's a line where someone says of a woman's breasts, um, your your boobs are really sexy. And it's like, yeah, that was part of 80s sexuality of just say the cheesiest, worst shit imaginable. That if someone said that in real life, you're like, all right, OK, <laughs> you have to say everything literally, take the magic out of it. But I, I think I think you're right. I think Freddie does not know their fuck style, because if he did, he would make fun of them for it.
1: Yes, because he, yeah.
2: he would not hold back. He would be making fun of them. all
1: the yeah, time. Yeah. And I think that, you know, because, you know, Freddie, like, you know, like like Pennywise, tends to to hone in on your worst fears yes. and i think yeah. for some teenage boys the you know, the fear you know, the most prevalent fears they are you know, not good in bed and, yeah. and and don't know what they're doing and i think you know freddie would certainly mock them with that you know before you know gutting them like a fish yeah.
0: and so during uh tina's dream sequence freddie is also visiting nancy and that's of course where we get that incredible uh, still, freddie still crucifix so good wall scene. that's
1: still so good it's, it's fucking amazing. Incredible.
0: This, this movie was made for barely any money, but it just shows you mm-hmm. when people want to really make an effect come across and they come like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? And they all dream up the best way to do it. And Absolutely. they manage to pull it off. It's fucking iconic.
2: And just to have a mind for those visuals. Like, it's like, you didn't have to establish that. You don't have to like, explain it. It's just sort of like to be like, ah, yes, this is, we need the visuals leading up to what's about to happen. It's elegant, you know? And which is mm-hmm. not a movie, uh, say, like I would necessarily thought I would say about a Freddy Krueger movie, but it is.
0: I just, I think it's very purposeful and craven. This is the movie where. He gets the closest in the early part of his career of his imagination meeting his visual mm-hmm. capacity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think in later films, some it's, a lot of that is just like people taking things off his table. Right? They're like, no, 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 no. you don't need that money. No, you don't have that time, blah, 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 And it takes Scream for him to actually get a budget and an actual writer and a cast full of capable actors where he can go, fuck it. This is the movie I'm going to make, and it's yes. it's genius. You could, uh, it is arguable whether or not it's Scream or Nightmare as his greatest movie, and I don't think there's a wrong answer.
2: You know, I think if I had to choose between the two, and of course we don't have to, so it's a, mm-hmm. we're a fictional. No, challenge. no, no. If you, whenever
0: you choose, we're burning the DVDs of that other movie, so you really got to be careful with this.
2: Listen, I love Scream, but it is Nightmare.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What do you guys think?
0: Um, I think in terms of his fan, his fantastical imagination, the purity of of a nightmare killing you in real life mm-hmm. is what elevates it. Yes. In terms of filmmaking skill, I still feel that Scream is I, like they're neck and neck. There's no mm-hmm. wrong answer. They, they're both just at the highest of levels. Gina, what's say you?
1: I think that. Scream is the more exciting movie, but mm-hmm. I think Nightmare is the scarier movie.
0: Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, these are, none of these are wrong answers. They're all right because they're both fucking brilliant. Here's another element that I always forget about this is when Tina quote unquote wakes up, she goes to the window cause she hears like something tapping against it. Mm-hmm. And it turns out there's this, this tooth lodged in the glass. Like, Freddy has killed someone and thrown a tooth so hard, it's lodged itself in glass. That's a crazy idea.
2: Perfect. Absolutely. It's like, again, something that takes you a minute to realize what it is. And then you just, your brain starts to fill in all the backstory. It's it's so good.
0: Yeah. Uh, and so uh, Tina goes out into her backyard filled with macrame plant holders and loose bamboo reed fencing uh, to investigate in her nightgown, which you should never do no uh tina checks out the alleyway behind her house which is how you can tell this we're now in venice because there's alleyways and she's scared by a rolling trash can lid which let's be honest with you is kind of silly because We all know that loose trash can lids are just a means for Heathcliff to uh, have a buffet tray for fish skeletons to munch on. They're not really weapons.
2: I thank God someone brought up Heathcliff during the episode. That's all I I have to say.
0: We have a a standing rule here at Kill by Kill Hallie, and that is all listeners should probably have a a Wikipedia page open just so they can Google references to really catch up with our old asses.
2: Honey, I I remember Heathcliff okay they said Garfield you want more of this great here's Heathcliff I remember and we loved it we said yes we'll take another one
0: cartoon cats were so fucking exotic in this country oh my God. But during the 40s they're like how about a dozen cartoon cats <laughs> like no one like everyone's like oh superhero fatigue at one point in this country you could name a dozen cartoon fucking cats
2: I'm I'm done. I'll be honest. I'm done with superheroes for a while. I say bring back the cats. Let's have, let's do that, and then we get tired of them. We'll go back to superheroes. Yeah, Where it, is the
0: cartoon cat multiverse? We, we are asked. we are
2: ready for a Top Cat revival. Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe after the strike, that's what we'll end up with. Uh,
0: Lord, uh, and I say Lord, I mean David Sazlov, willing. Um, <laughs> and so he owns part of me, probably. Oh, no, wait I, a second. Eventually, CW got sold. He doesn't own me anymore. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we, into the alleyway comes Freddy Bartholomew Krueger, um, complete with jelly neck. And this is where we get the Freddy arms expanding <sighs> in the full use of dream logic.
1: You know, it's so, it's so silly, but yes. it's also so creepy too. Yes. Yeah. It's the perfect balance. Cause it's like,
2: yeah, if you saw that guy, yeah, you would say again oh shit Like the fact that that's her response like absolutely girl get the fuck out of here you know he's
1: just like running after her like i love you this much.
0: <laughs> again he wants tina to feel good what feels better than a hug what feels better than a hug with really long arms that can rant
1: he, just want, he just wants her to bring it in
0: <laughs> come on hug it out uh, we all yelled in the 2000s when we were watching, uh, what was that fucking show on HBO? Jesus Christ, I've lost my mind.
2: Oz? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nailed it in one. Uh, I was thinking Entourage, but I think entourage. Oz really does count. Uh, they they did hug some things out. They tried. With, you know, <laughs> yeah. Some people were desperately trying to escape that, but we'll get into Oz later. Um, yeah, we're
2: going to recap the entire series after this
0: after this i hope you don't have anything on your calendar i've got nothing i
2: truly this is it i just watched (laughs) horror movies to do podcasts honest to god i got nothing else going on
0: (laughs) so one of the uh, nice little bits here is craven puts that beyond the door uh to surprise jump scare in here where you see someone running and then all of a sudden they're right in front of you Hallie, have you ever seen beyond the door i no. It's an Italian uh, joint. It's a very Ooh. exorcist-y uh, sort of thing. And it features a child character uh, who's constantly eating Campbell's soup directly out of the can. Oh, okay. It's the second most frightening thing in it. The <laughs> first is the beyond-the-door panda surprise jump scare where... <laughs> da, 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 woo! you're right in front of you it's really good and when you rip it off uh, you better rip it off good and craven's able to during the sequence we get a two finger slice
2: oh so good
0: and tina also pulls freddy's face off which was his face loose to begin with <laughs> it, it
2: looks like it might have been it wasn't on quite right when he cuts his fingers off he in order to set up the cutting the of fingers off i believe he just says Hey, look at this. Yeah, yeah, he is.
1: And he's got this look at his face like, Yeah, you like it? That's cool. Go see more. And again, like
2: he's not being menacing, he's not being dramatic. He has a smile on his face. He's having a blast, which is genuinely the scariest way you could see someone cuff their fingers. And yeah. then, of course, the best line in the movie, which she says, Oh my God. And he holds up his blade glove and says, This is God iconic this is why this movie is iconic
0: there's a lot of perfection on display here it's just the right time the right people the right actors like craven has finally been able to to take that big imagination of his and simplify the concept to the point where yeah some of these things don't work quite as well the the extendo arms you know not exactly at the highest of qualities you can see a lot of wire work going on here fine but it's janky like a nightmare's janky. And then you get to the gimbal kill which is both a feat of engineering made all the more terrifying because they they seatbelt Rod into the corner of the shot to ground you and for him to see Dina being torn apart and being dragged up a wall with a, 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 a trail of blood coming behind her. It's it is truly nightmare-inducing that visual.
1: Yeah. yeah, I love, I love the effect of her like swinging around. She kind of like swacks <laughs> him the side of the head.
0: Like if you try a million times, you probably never be able to hit Rod with the head of your your murder victim, and yet Freddie is able to do it. And when that hits, a blood splatter goes everywhere. Yeah. And, oh my God, it's. It's an amazing feat of filmmaking technique to be able to spin that entire room and do it in a convincing way. And then, again, Hallie, do not watch the remake. But when they tried to do it in CGI, you're just like, well, no effort was made here. Like, I I, I get that a uh, some graphics person was sitting in front of a computer and, and made it, like, look okay-ish. But there's no danger. There's no surreal element to it. Cause you know it's just happening in a computer. it's not in any way, shape, or form as scary, as cool looking as the original. No. Yeah.
2: It's perfect. It's incredibly done. It is genuinely fucking scary to your point, Gino, where it's like scream it perhaps a more um adroitly made movie. This is a genuinely mm-hmm. scary scene that is you, you know, we're we are rod in that moment watching this and having no ability to do anything but watch it's 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 incredible
0: and then he's being put into a position which many an Elm Street film really covers which is I saw something mm-hmm. someone ended up dead but if I tell anyone what I saw they're never going to believe me as teenagers are never quite believed for a variety of reasons but uh, I this this movie is very simple in its tack of as a teenager, you're alone in what you're experiencing and feeling. And other people can say, listen, I was a teenager once, but they'll never know what's happening inside your tortured soul.
2: Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah.
0: I'm sure you could have. If given the time, you probably could have worked it out. I, we I, don't I, have the time. we got
2: to watch <laughs> these teens get murdered.
0: Then that is a good point. Let's let's keep on <laughs> tack. So let's cut to the Cahuenga Branch Library in East Santa Monica, <laughs> uh, which is subbing in for a police station here. Um, the interiors, however, are at the, are at the old Lincoln Heights Jail on Avenue 19 my old neighborhood of Highland Park. So we're introduced to the one and only John fucking Saxon and his incredible comb over.
1: He's scowling like no one has ever scowled <laughs> before.
0: Uh, he doesn't believe you. Uh, he thinks what you're doing it probably sucks. And he looks hot doing it. It's, re- <laughs> it's a real triple fucking threat. Like, this is... I guess a decade passed when we previously talked about him a little while ago on that Starsky and Hutch episode where he plays a vampire, a dance vampire. (laughs) And like, he looks really hot there, but even with a little age on him, he's still like, man, those smoky eyes, that jawline. It's a hot looking dude.
2: When you got it, you got it. That's what, that's what what Hollywood always tells us. And it's
0: true. Yes. Uh, And then let us not forget. Uh, we also meet Nancy's uh, mother here, played by Ronnie Blakely. Uh, either playing drunk or genuinely drunk, <laughs> depending on who you believe. But it, either way, it's working.
1: Oh, this whole this whole exchange! Like Dad seems far more concerned that you know, Nancy had a sleepover where there was a boy there, and he yeah. just began yeah. scowling even harder. And then, like uh, <laughs> the mom's like the mom's like, oh. Uh, well, Nancy said that they, that, that, uh, that Tina and Rod had had a fight and, and they said, well, it wasn't that serious. And I was like, well, maybe you don't think murder is all that serious. Yeah, oh, it's like, okay, okay go in. Yeah, <laughs> it's like okay. zero to
2: 11, mother. Yeah, this is a like very
1: helpful conversation you for you to have with your daughter who, you know, discovered the body of her best friend.
0: Yeah. The other distracting element to this particular scene is that Ronnie Blakely, uh, her hair looks like a modified Wolverine hairdo. Whereas <laughs> Heather Langenkamp has the most amazing head of hair that has ever been filmed on celluloid. It is so voluminous. It is so curly. it is It takes over the screen in a way where you want to dive into it. It's hypnotizing. <laughs> just incredible. You
2: just don't see that kind of hair. You know, there's a, a period of time in the, in the 2010s where every single woman on television had the exact same hair which was mm-hmm. long with with a wave, yeah, sure. And it, it this is it's like that was hair frozen in time. This is hair frozen in time. I wish we saw more hair like this.
0: Truly, it, it's a gorgeous mane. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they try. I think they get close to it in Dream Warriors of achieving that level of volume. I you know, but they're also styling it a way where. All of a sudden, she's like a Hitchcock blonde in that mm. where they give her a gray stripe and she's on in very boxy suits. It, it's a different vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Nancy is told like, hey, you, you need to tell us where Rod is. And she's like, I don't fucking know where Rod is. Um, so the next morning, she's off to go to school and uh, she's grabbed off the sidewalk by Rod who declares, hey, I didn't kill Tina despite not seeing who did. And then out of the shadows pops Lieutenant Thompson, and they capture Rod, who doesn't have shoes on, and doesn't have shoes on.
1: Also, has not washed his hands.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can't find like one public fountain to to, to dip those uh, those uh, grabbers into. Like, come on, there's got to be a gas station somewhere. Oh yeah, Linchey, the uh, immortal <laughs> uh pops in here as Nancy's teacher once she reaches school. The guy rating Julius Caesar's the most. Hollywood version of an L.A. teen ever. I mean, I'm pretty sure that shirt he's wearing changes color when you put your hand on it. (laughs) Um, But this is where we get into Nancy's school dream. Um, And we know it's a dream because she uh, nods off, turns to her right. And her friend, Tina, uh, is inside of a body bag. Oof,
2: another uh, excellent shot. Yeah. So scary. I just want to say before we get into this, uh, I loved all, I love a movie, much like It Follows, which uh, which is... A movie where uh, in the classroom you are, you're given a a little bit of Shakespeare to let you know what's going to happen. Yeah. And the line is, what's seen is not always what is real. And the conversation is uh, believing that something in humanity is rotten and then wanting to sort of investigate it. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I was like, Yes, sell, set us up, <laughs> give us like a thesis sentence for the horror.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, m- much like you know, <laughs> uh, Laurie Stroud in Halloween, who's told about fate in her class when she looks out the window, like it's a grand tradition, and and I mean, it even shows up in Bride of Chucky, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Right <laughs> <right. laughs> Um, but yeah, I, 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 really like it. And I like, of course that it's Lynn Shay more than her, her dirtbag brother who uh, is another, uh, sex best okay. anyways. So she looks out to the hallway and there's Tina, um, inside of this body bag, you know, pawing inside of it calling to her friend, which, uh, is nightmare fuel. And of course, uh, she then helpfully, Lays down and is dragged by her heels by an invisible force. Uh, I'm not following that. I'm not, I, Gina, I, I love you to death. I honestly do. But if you die and then I see your ghost being dragged mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a body bang, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking. No, nah, uh, that's Absolutely. okay. I, I Absolutely. understand.
1: Uh, I, I would just be like, well, I hope that all works out for you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me know how that goes. Okay. All
2: right. See you later. Yeah, Alice yeah, but- and I have a pact on on Ruin that w- you can't come back. You can't come back for uh-huh. me. I will not come back for you. If one of us escapes, just keep going. To come <laughs> back to know just like it's just like we have too many incidents where you come back and both of us are killed just if you get out keep going if you see my ghost being dragged
1: down the hallway turn around go back to class
0: yeah you want to see me again that's what the rear view mirrors i mean my only my
1: my only exception is i can absolutely you know if patrick and i were on a backpacking trip in the moors of england and got attacked by a werewolf i could (laughs) i could absolutely see myself like like haunting him like and and just making jokes about how bored i am in the afterlife (laughs) And that would be fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, that would feel like old times to me. I mean, that's basically what we're doing now, but you still have a nose, you know? (laughs) Uh, Nancy runs after Tina's levitating body uh, and bumps into a hall monitor. Uh, something that uh, I, did you? Either of you have actual hall monitors in your high school? No. Was that a thing? I no. think we did
1: in theory. I mean, you were you were supposed to, you were supposed to have a, a hall pass, like to mm-hmm. you know go to the restroom or go see the guidance counselor. But I don't think anybody ever like you you assailed you and demanded that you show it to them. Um,
0: but I do like. Once the person is like, where's your hall pass? It's goes, screw your pass. It's a, I mean, if, if I was doing drag, that's probably <laughs> what I <I'd>
2: think. <pick> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, the, the, I, I did immediately think, oh, you know, I don't have a Halloween costume picked out and that'd be a uh, easier lift than some. It'd be perfect.
0: <laughs> All you need is a sharp hand Joe glove. And then uh, a sweater vest and some pigtails, I'm, and you're good to go. I've already got the long hair,
1: so a little, little bit, a yeah. little bit of blood splattered on your face. <laughs>
0: some round glasses, and uh, you got yourself a costume <laughs> that you'll have to explain to half the people oh, at yeah, that no, party. Oh yeah, no, for but, sure.
2: But I think they'll see the sweater and be like, eh, "It's probably from one of the movies." I'll, put, I, I trust you. You know.
0: <laughs> Uh, the one, one Halloween party I showed up to a couple of years ago, I was um, from Kids in the Hall, the bad doctor sketch where he comes out and <laughs> scrubs and just has blood from his neck down to his feet. <laughs> but they're like, uh, what What are you? Are you like, are you Dr. Giggles? No, no, I'm bad doctor from the kids in the hall. And I'd have to do a monologue in front of them. See, like,
2: I think I would have assumed, uh, do, you guys, do you guys watch 30 Rock, Dr. Spichemin? Yeah. One of my favorite jokes was um, he walks in and everyone gasps. He's covered in blood. He's like, "Oh no, sorry, I was at a Halloween costume and and the host dog attacked me, so I had to, <laughs> to death. Anyways, your mother's gonna be fine.
0: <laughs> and so Nancy is drained into the dream basement um, where the boilers are turned to sweat, and uh, she's playing a cat and mouse game with Freddy, uh, who we see. Slice his own chest open and maggots fall out of it. So again, not blood, but we're now being given an alternative that's equally as gross. Gorgeous. I what? Yeah. And
2: again, the smile on his face, just uh having the time of his goddamn death. I suppose everybody should be enjoying their job as much as he does. <laughs> you know, if you love the well, job, you don't work a day in your life or your death, ostensibly.
0: Well, he stuffed all those maggots into his chest. You got to get them out somehow. And it feels good once they start to fall out. To be, If I'm being honest, this is the one person here who's constantly had maggots in his
2: chest. I trust you. Listen.
0: <laughs> and so uh, Nancy is cornered at a certain point and um, almost by accident discovers a way to wake herself up. And that is to put her arm against a steaming hot pipe, uh, which wakes her up. And she screams bloody murder in front of this entire class. And they look at her like, what gives you the right? (laughs)
1: Like, how dare you?
0: Wait, hold on a second. Uh, you just witnessed the murder the other night, and now you are scared in your sleep? Get the fuck out of here. Go home, Nancy. We're
1: trying to uh, listen to Julius Caesar.
2: <laughs> I know. As if, like, if that happened in my English class, it would be like, everyone would just be so happy, like, oh, something crazy's happening. Like, what a fun break that would be.
0: And then uh, the somewhat prognostication visual that happens here is that for whatever reason in this English lit class, There's a bunch of animal posters on that classroom wall. (laughs) And I thought, oh, well, that's odd. But then I remembered in the very next segment when she goes to the uh, Institute for Kids Who Don't Sleep Good and Want to Do Other Things Good. (laughs) And then up on the wall is this poster of a cat dressed like magnum pi in san francisco hmm. and i still think about it we, we got a and
1: tremendous haunted. amount of pleasure out of talking about that
0: when we am so glad uh you, yeah you think that the voice of roger rabbit would be the weirdest thing in that scene turns out not so much um but uh that is for the next episode so we'll get to that then you know we can't really play choose your own death venture because there's only one real death here but i suppose we could play choose your own wound venture. And that's where we decide Ooh. of the many self inflicted wounds that Freddy gives himself. If you were to force to endure one of those oh, okay. and inflict them on yourself, which one Ooh. would you choose and why? Up for bid, we have slicing your own fingers off. We have your, your head being pulled off, <laughs> uh, neck gouging mm-hmm. or chest maggots and Hallie, you're our guest. That means you get to go first. You
2: know, I'm torn between the fingers and the chest maggots. I think for me, the, the, the joyful, the gleeful, uh, uh, entreatment to look, say, Hey, look, look at this and cut off your own Mm -hmm. fingers. Um, that being said, the amount of neon green ooze and maggots in the chest does make it the more visually appealing, But I'm going to go with fingers because then when uh, the green blood shoots out, it is the same uh, squelching sound we hear the first when he he says workshop. It's like, hey, you know, a bunch of wet goose coming out. And there's something about that where it's like, oh, I cut him off. You thought that was bad enough? Well, check this out. And it's just a green ooze uh, flying out. I'm going to go with the fingers. That feels right.
0: Okay. Oh, and think of all the ecto cooler you're going to have to drink to fill your your veins up with that much, you know, green ooze.
2: I mean, that's basically what I did as a child. Like, I feel like <laughs> six to eight, it was ecto cooler
1: filling my veins.
0: Uh, Gina, what's your
1: Um, I too am going to choose fingers because, again, as as Hallie said, he just looks so delighted. He he looks like a like a, a child, like about to show yes. you the magic trick he's just learned. <laughs>
0: You want to see some? You want to see some? You want to see some?
2: He's in the zone. He's like, he's he's really feeling himself in that moment.
0: He's feeling himself. He is moisturized, as, <laughs> as we've noted on this show. We like a, a, a damp Freddy more oh, than yeah. a dry Freddy. Agreed. Dry Freddy's not into it. Um, <laughs> he's in his lane, his lane being your dreams. Uh, yeah, exactly right. I think of these, I am going with uh, slashing my chest and having maggots come out. Which is very on brand for me, Mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. everyone has learned over seven years here on the show. I podcast every episode in the nude, so I'm very comfortable.
2: Oh, well, good to know. Good to
0: know. Yes, yes. I'm. Aren't you happy you have that information? And so. Uh, that brings us to an end for this particular part of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. But here's the good news. Not only can you listen to the next part right now, you can listen to the rest of the Nightmare on Elm Street f- Elm Street f- uh, franchise right now. as This is uh, filling in that spot. So that's a good thing. Uh, before we go, of course, Hallie, why don't you tell our audience exactly where they can find you on socials and listen to you on these here internets.
2: Um, So you can find uh, our podcast, wherever podcasts are sold. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, You can follow us at, at ruin podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me personally at Hallie Kiefer. Uh, that's Hallie Lake Barry, Keith Lake Sutherland, and then I also want to uh, promote. Uh, so Crooked Media uh, is uh, where our podcast is at. Uh, podcast, mm-hmm. of course, being called Ruined, and for Pride Month, but it's an ongoing endeavor. We are raising money for um, like trans rights organizations, um, largely in red states, but across uh, America. So uh, it's called the Fuck Bands colon Leave Queer Kids Alone. Um, and it is broadly uh, trying to um, give funding to organizations who are working against LGBTQ legislation, specifically anti-trans legislation. So if you are interested in that and would like to donate, find out what organizations we are donating towards. We just donated like uh, the uh, profits from our uh, live show this past month and all of our merch. So if you'd like to look at that, it's at votesaveamerica.com slash fuckbans. And you can I find everything um, there. And I would just encourage you, Pride Month is over, but- uh, the problem continues. Uh, so um, if you have it in you to give it a gander, it would be it would mean a lot to me. And
1: um, thank you so much for having me. Oh,
0: thank an, you. An absolute pleasure. Uh, Gina, uh, tell all the good people uh, where they can find you on the Internet.
1: I write about movies and television at spool.net. Uh, I also have a Substack. It's Gina watches things, uh, G-E-N-A. And I am on Twitter and blue sky under Gina does things
0: Uh, do it today. People checking out, you know, where we're on the socials rate and review our podcast so it can be seen and heard by more people join us on Patreon where we're uh, doing cool stuff like uh, talking over Friday, the 13th movies. We have chat by chat where we answer your questions. And we also talked at length about the music video for, um, oh my God, Gina, what was the name of that music video? Totally
1: clips of the heart. Totally, oh, clips hell of the heart. yeah! <laughs> now
2: that's my kind of jam. Uh,
0: yeah, we like to go far afield here on Kill by Kills. So we don't, we don't limit ourselves in any way, shape, or form, and that is one. <laughs> A uh, frightening dream logic based uh, music video in, in which a woman with very tall hair wanders around a boys' school and is haunted by hot teen boys. I think that's what we came down to. It's just a lot of hot teen boys.
2: You know what? I was thinking of the uh, the, the uh, music video for. Um, uh, Celine Dion's "It's All Coming Back to Me Now," which I believe she has sex with her boyfriend, who is some sort of motorcycle ghost. So I think I was <laughs> conflating the two. But again, dream logic,
1: uh, similar ideas. Well, also, all also right. the, the song both songs are written by the same person. So yes. yeah. So you, yes, you, that's quite understandable.
0: Uh, we're going to have to add that one to the list of our horror tangentially related music videos. If it's a, if it's a motorcycle ghost, it's in the list. <laughs> and that's that. Believe me, that just about does it for this episode but don't worry folks because the body count will continue for myself for Gina and for Hallie bye bye everybody bye Bye.